Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Justin Grasso. And I'm Kevin McCormick. And this is a podcast dedicated to covering the Philadelphia 76ers on the Believe Podcast Network. Kev, we are in mid-August right now. We are finally two games into the most exciting time of the year, (laughs) the NBA Summer League. Uh, We knew heading into it that the Sixers were going to have maybe one of the most exciting teams in the entire, I guess, tournament or showcase, whatever you want to call it. And so far, based on what we've seen, it has lived up to the expectations. No doubt. They've definitely been a fun team to watch. And I think it kind of show the experience factor, I would say, is showing out. If it makes any kind of sense, the Sixers kind of have an older, young core. I mean, when you're looking at guys like Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed, uh, Petrosev, these are all guys who have kind of extended college careers. So the young batch, while some teams might have a lot of 18 to 19 to 20 year olds, the Sixers core is, you know, more of like the 22, 23, 24 outside of. Uh, Tyrese Maxey and Jaden Springer. And I think that's really showed so far. Yeah, that and obviously, you know, with last year's draft, we all say Daryl Morey hit a home run. They got three guys that really picked up some kind of notable minutes last season with, you know, COVID-19 and the uh, the injuries that occurred and whatnot. So it's definitely showing. Um, obviously, three guys that we had our eyes on heading into it was Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed, because they come from that class. And even though they're heading into their second year, this is their summer league debuts. And I mean, really, all three of them, <laughs> I think, have not only lived up to expectations, but have kind of blown them away a little bit, too. Yeah, it's been so fun to watch. And again, I think that experience comes in. I- for to be completely honest Tyrese Maxey doesn't really need to be playing in the summer league this is a guy that was breaking down players in isolation in the postseason you know what a month and a half ago he doesn't really need to be out there now I think coming into this many expected him to look like the best player on the floor and I think when he's out there for the most part he has looked like that which has been great and then guys like Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed have shown great promise and I think if you're the Sixer staff you should be more than pleased from what you saw so far because Maxey Reed and Joe are all guys who are going to have a chance to compete for rotation spots and rotation minutes this upcoming season. So seeing them kind of dominate and look like the top guys on the floor pretty much their entire time out there is a very encouraging sign with training camp being just a few short weeks away. Yeah, so they started the summer league with a game against the Mavericks. And, I mean, it wasn't even close. It was like halftime, stop the damn fight. (laughs) 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 it It was bad. It was a blowout. And then uh, things got interesting with the Hawks, and it was kind of one of those things where it's not it's not a revenge game for the Sixers because it's summer league. Like no one no one in summer league's thinking about that you know game, that seven game series that happened a few months ago. But I mean, after the first half where the Sixers kind of struggled and it looked like all right they might kind of roll over on this one, Paul Reed comes out. Paul Reed showing you like, listen, I'm the I'm the G League MVP. I'm 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 here to win it here too. And then Tyrese Maxey showing some resiliency. And then Isaiah Joe just doing what he's been doing since the summer league started. And they defeat the Hawks in overtime. And we were laughing about it before we come on here. Overtime summer league basketball wasn't 
exactly ideal for those on the East Coast when we're up at uh, midnight trying to watch summer league ball. But I mean, that was I, I joked about it on Twitter, must see TV. But I mean, it was it was definitely like very promising to see. Absolutely. And I mean, credit to Paul Reed. I don't want to say he's the sole reason that they won that game, but he definitely did play a huge factor in that. I think he did a lot of the little things early on because part of where the the struggle came in the beginning of the game was just shots just weren't falling. I believe they missed their first nine threes of the game and they found themselves down early. But Paul Reed was a guy who was hustling on the glass. I believe six of his 12 rebounds for the game were offensive. We saw him kick off the game with that monster putback slam. And I think just that energy that he brought, he set the tone on both ends of the floor. And I think doing the, those little things just kind of helped keep things stagnant and not get to more of a doomsday situation to where once the shots started to fall and things got in a groove, it allowed them to really take control of that game. Yeah, it was like Paul Reed got them back into the game and then Tyrese Maxey and Isaiah Joe just like stomped the Hawks out. <laughs> like that was it. Because once they got into overtime, it was done. Yeah, no doubt. And I, listen, how about Isaiah Joe? He has arguably been the the biggest surprise. I think everyone expected him to play well, but he has just been shooting the lights out. We've seen him break out step back threes. We've seen a, a multiple four point plays, and just the confidence he's showing and the range and the growth from being a secondary ball handler. We're seeing flashes of facilitation. Uh, you know, I've been more than pleased from what I've seen from Isaiah Joe, and I think he's going to keep continuing to creep up into that conversation of. Is there going to be a point where we're talking about Isaiah Joe needing to play over Furcon Corkmas? Ooh, the guy that just re-signed on a three-year yeah. deal, fully guaranteed. Listen, he's impressed so far, and with the way things are shaping up now, I feel like when you're looking at, at roles in the rotation with the spots that are going to be available, if Isaiah Joe's going to jump somebody, it's going to be Furcon Corkmas and filling in that role of three and D, you know, secondary ball handler kind of role off the bench. Yeah, so we're, we're going to have to give Elton Brand a lot of credit for that because that was clearly an Elton Brand guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> He made the promise. Isaiah Joe got the promise before Daryl Morey was the Sixers president. So that that's an Elton Brand pick. So How about applaud, applause for, uh, for Elton Brand there. So now we're talking about last year's um, draft selections. This year the Sixers got three more guys. Um and the first round pick, Jaden Springer, has been a starter for the last two games. Now, it's kind of hot and cold where, you know, people are judging him. Some, as I told you, the first game, five minutes in the game, everyone's like, he's terrible. He's not good. This and that. And then there's other people that are saying, well, he's doing some very good things on defense. He's, you know, he's showing some promise on offense after kind of getting his feet wet. What have you kind of seen from Jaden Springer? I've been really blown away with the the defensive versatility he's shown. I think he's very fundamentally sound as a defender. He's very um, – I'm, I'm trying to think of the word – discipline as a defender. I think he's been very strong in that sense of being able to slow guys down. And, you know, guys aren't really pushing him around, which is impressive for somebody that's so young. Offensively, it shows that he's going to be a project. You're reminded, you know, pretty – easily that he's an 18 year old and that this isn't going something that's going to happen overnight but still that being said I think the the comfort level he showed in the second game compared to the first game was there we saw him put the ball on the floor a little more he had some nice acrobatic finishes at the rim and it's just one of those you're really not going to know what you have in Jaden Springer until at least two three years down the line when he shows nice flashes be excited about them but then you can't get too caught up in them because you're quickly reminded that he's still so young and that he's going to be a work in progress but i've been more than impressed 
from what he's shown defensively. And I really believe that day one, he could be a, a more than above, or I wouldn't say above average, but a more than average defender at the NBA level. Yeah, I think what people need to understand is that when we talk about last year's draft class, like the Sixers got very spoiled. Like Tyrese, Matt, I don't, I don't think anyone expected this. Like, what was he nineteen when he came out? Yeah, nineteen year old to come in. I mean, we all know Kentucky players are good, but like, no, like no one expected that. No one had those kind of expectations. So he just kind of blew everybody away, and now it's kind of left the bar so high for Jaden Springer. Jaden Springer doesn't have to do what Tyrese Maxey came in and did last year. That was just a bonus at that point. So it's just like you said, he's still young. He only played one year in college. It was a strange season. It was a shortened season. It wasn't a real NCAA environment. And, you know, he doesn't have to be that guy right away. Like he, he can come in and just develop, play in the G League and just kind of get his feet wet in the NBA. Yeah, and we've seen how well the Sixers have done with developing talent. I mean, look at a guy like Shake Milton who bounced around from the Sixers and the, the Delaware Bluecoats through the early parts of his career and then became a more than suitable guy. I think Jaden Springer has all the nice foundations. He He's confident as a ball handler. He's already a great defender. You know, the, the offensive game and the shot are, are things that are going to take some time. But like you said, you're not really in any particular rush. I mean, yes, the Sixers are trying to compete for titles now, but – the roster and those roles are already filled. Now you just have this guy in Jaden Springer who, you know, could potentially be a suitable player for you down the line. It's just filling the pipeline with good young talent. I think that's why that taking the chance on him and seeing what he could become in a couple of years was the right move at 28. For sure. And, and speaking of this year's draft class, obviously we saw Springer, we saw uh, Philip Petrusev. I'm saying it how you want to say yeah. it because <laughs> I still don't know. Cause like you listen to the games and it's like one announcer says it this way, another announcer. So I don't know. I really don't know. But Philip Petrusev has also played, but one guy who hasn't played is the 53rd overall pick Charles Bassey out of Western Kentucky. Um, it's weird because the first couple practices in Vegas, he was in the starting lineup. And then the first game came around Petrusev jumped him in the starting lineup. And it kind of just seemed like maybe Petrosev showed out. And then here, Bassey's not playing because his agent told him not to. And he's not signed yet with the Sixers. So he's now missed the last two games. It's still the same situation. And I mean, is he, is that roster spot for him? Or do you think something might be in the works here? It's very just weird. You wouldn't expect the guy taking 53rd overall to be, you know, essentially holding out in the summer league. And it's kind of upsetting because I think he's a very enticing prospect. And I think he has a shot to be, you know, someone that can be a suitable role player, similar to like a Paul Reed or Isaiah Joe down the line that he has that kind of capability in him, but I don't blame him for that situation. Obviously this is a business as well. And I mean, God forbid something catastrophic were to happen in the summer league that this is his livelihood. This is something he's worked his whole life for, but it definitely is weird, and especially with the last roster spot just sitting there, it almost feels like it's for him. I don't know. Maybe they're they're still working out the logistics of a deal of, you know, finding a suitable price for him, but the whole situation is very bizarre for a second-round pick. It's definitely – well, because usually that second-round pick would get like a two-way deal. Yeah, but exactly. As soon as the draft ends, they sign Aaron Henry, and then they bring in Rajon Tucker, 
And then now you just got this guy who's just not playing. Mm-hmm. So like you said, I mean, smart decision. Obviously, you shouldn't play if, if you're not locked in and guaranteed. I tried to poke around. I'm getting nothing. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like just to be transparent, like it's very strange. Like you said, like second round pick and he's just essentially holding out because the Sixers just haven't signed him yet. So it's it's one of those things where I really don't know when when there's going to get, you know, get clarity on this. There's only five games in the summer league total. So, you know, just just a few more left. Uh, the next one's tomorrow, which is Saturday. So I don't know if this gets resolved in time for him to get those much needed summer league minutes. So it's definitely something to monitor. And uh, it's a very strange situation. But maybe that last roster spot is for somebody who's also showcasing his skill set in Vegas. Lance Stevenson is trying to make a wonderful comeback to the NBA. And while he's out in Vegas, he's smart, knows that all the executives and personnel and coaches and players are out there. He's going to hold a private workout in Vegas. I think it already happened um, Friday morning. I think it was supposed to happen. And the Sixers were among several teams that were in the building to check out Lance Stevenson. How about it? Could you imagine the the content with Andre oh Drummond God, yes. and Lance Stevenson <laughs> off the bench? Are the Sixers secretly trying to build like a meme team? I don't know. It's it's very interesting. But listen, people have been shooting off just insane takes since Chris Haynes tweeted out that report. And while I'm I'm just looking at it more of Daryl Morey is just doing his due diligence. We just talked about the roster spot is there. This is a guy who was a key piece of a playoff team, you know, not too long ago. He's two years removed from the league. He's only 30 years old, so you would assume that there's still something left to give in the tank. And, and listen, the Sixers need ball handling, shot creation on the perimeter. They, they need more guys who can put the ball on the floor and make decisions. And if, you know, Lance Stevenson shows that he could still do that in some form of capacity, I think you could be in the realm of, of at least debating taking a flyer on a guy like that. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm like pretty sure they're not gonna sign. Yeah, him. I mean, I'm not holding my breath for it in any yeah. sense. So I mean, you said keyword keywords due diligence. We say it every single time. A good GM's just gonna check check everything out. There's someone that's on the trade block. Call it. Why not? See, hey. hey, what do you want for this guy? Oh, this guy's working out. Let's go check it out. You're already in Vegas. What are you gonna do? Right? Yeah, you're already there. The casino. You yeah. might as well go to a Lance Stevenson workout. I'm sure he's doing some funny stuff there. You might, you know, who knows? You might look good and you might say, Hey, Charles Bassey, sorry, we're not going to sign you. We're going to bring in Lance Stevenson because he would probably be a legend in Philadelphia. This is, that's like, that's like Corey Brewer 2.0. I feel like (laughs) it definitely could have that type of potential. (laughs) Yeah. He would just get like the crowd roaring for him. But anyway, moving on from Lance Stevenson. uh, What was it? Yes, it was yesterday. So Thursday, Danny Green was reintroduced to the um, the Philadelphia media and really hilarious how it all went down. He was, I don't know where he was exactly, but <laughs> he was being told he had to take a drug test. So he's just wrapping up his drug test, gets on the Zoom call from his phone and in Danny Green fashion, giving us like ridiculously long answers <laughs> to, to every question he's very elaborate and um you know just a few key things he said other teams were interested which was obvious we already knew that and um he said it was a weird free agency that 
really you're either getting overpaid or grossly underpaid. So he was just kind of finding that middle ground. Few teams that wanted him, I guess that were contenders, couldn't really uh, afford him. Do you remember the team specifically that he said? There were a couple. He mentioned both Dwight Howard and George Hill trying to recruit mm-hmm. him to L.A. and Milwaukee. Brooklyn was a team he cited. Chicago, he said Golden State was a, uh, were among the teams trying to work out a sign and trade. It was a pretty long list. I believe he said Cleveland and Charlotte reached out at points as well. So the market was definitely there for Danny Green, which is not surprising at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah, so he said people were recruiting him. Dwight Howard <laughs> tried to bring him to L.A. Unbelievable. I'm surprised, I'm surprised people aren't flipping out about this. Yeah, like Dwight – the George Hill one makes sense because they have a history. And even when yeah, George Hill got here, it seemed like they were very close friends off the court as well. But Dwight Howard, man, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> Just that's listen, Dwight. We we said it last time. Dwight never wanted to leave LA. Yeah, he's, he's big on the Lakers. Like, yeah, he, he had fun. Or no, he was on vacation last yeah, year. Yeah, he was so. on vacation last year. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually genuinely surprised that there's not a lot of outrage. I, yeah, there outrage. wasn't that much blowover from that. I saw a lot of people who were just like, oh, that's all right. Dwight Howard was great in his role last year. And I was kind of like checking the pulse of the city. Like, is Philadelphia okay? That's, uh, that is like an that's almost legendary status. Yeah, that's he legendary. Played, he said playing here was like he was on vacation and people were just okay with it. I couldn't believe it. I, on like it just Sixers Twitter. What what happened during that whole week? Were you guys on vacation? Did nobody <laughs> care? Did nobody want to get riled up that Toy <laughs> Howard said playing here was like a vacation? That was just and I then tried to recruit Danny Green. Yeah, not yeah, not to mention you're trying to take Mr. Three Wings with you. No, sir. You can gladly go back to LA if that's what you want, but Danny Green is staying here. Yeah. For the next two years or one, the other one's not guaranteed. So we'll see how that goes. But in addition to guys like George Hill and Dwight Howard trying to recruit him, Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris were letting him know, like, listen, you got to come back. Like, come on, need your three-point shooting, need your leadership, need you to just kind of be that, I don't even know, that that, that bandage to this team when everything's just like, yeah, the glue guy, when everything is like completely in shambles and he kind of he threw it out there that uh they don't lose that round two if he plays he was very confident and kind of just like slipping that in there like i think things go differently if i don't get injured and everyone's been kind of saying that and it's like listen man as soon as danny green went out that team was in shambles (laughs) i mean he's not wrong it he's I mean, he's goaded for saying it just for talking his talk and that's it you don't really hear role players talk like that but i feel like that was a quick jab of i'm still mr three rings and i have an impact on things but another thing i thought was big was we hear joel Embiid recruiting i mean what was it a week week and a half recruiting ago I, somebody I, he already knows though listen i don't care i'll take it i i was complaining to you i what was it two weeks ago i was blowing up your phone that i wish joel Embiid had the recruiter hat on a little <laughs> more listen at even though it was someone that was already here, even though it was only a guy like Danny Green, I'll take it because Danny Green was a valuable piece of the puzzle last year. I still, I've said it all year. I thought he was the unsung hero of the starting lineup. And I really don't believe the Sixers were in a position to lose him. Like you just said, everything fell apart when he got hurt in that Atlanta series in the playoffs. I truly believe, and I would assume you agree with me, that they do win that series 
if he is out there. And I think just from what he brought on the court, from being a leader behind the scenes to what he can do for guys like Furkan Korkmaz and Matisse Seibel, I feel like he's invaluable and, and almost underpaid at $10 million a year. I think that contract is a steal. Yeah, I thought he was going to get paid a lot more. That's why I thought he personally wasn't going to come back to the Sixers because <laughs> I didn't think the Sixers could afford him. But yeah, like it said, felt like it was going to be the JJ Redick situation all over again, where yeah, JJ I, was like, "Oh, I want to finish my career here," and then the second the contract got a little lower, <laughs> he, he said, "Oh, I have to do what's best for me economically." Which I mean, listen, all the more power to you. I mean, get the bag if the team's going to throw it at you. But come on, guy. Yeah, but I mean, listen, it's all about the market. Market obviously, like Danny Green says, weird. You're either getting overpaid or underpaid. He kind of took that middle ground, returns to Philly. Good value for the Sixers. Very team friendly deal. And um, yeah, so we know Danny Green's going to be back from last year's team. We know Joel Embiid will be here. Tobias Harris will likely be here. Now, he didn't mention that the third star of the team recruited him. In fact, he hasn't talked to the third star of the team since 4th of July weekend. It is August 13th, Kev. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> I feel like his answer to that was was reasonable. I mean, he also took the blame on himself a little bit, saying that he was caught up in getting ready to get married and such. So, so that played a part in as well. And he also talked about giving Ben space. And I think that is a proper approach as well. I feel like we can judge from the outside, but we don't really know how Ben handles things. If, you know, I think someone in the locker room who was around him every day, granted it was only for a year, still a whole crazy season where, you know, the team was mostly together due to health and safety protocol. So guys, you know, pick up on how they handle things. So maybe just having that understanding of Ben's a guy who would like to, you know, kind of resolve things on his own. He gave him a space, wasn't really trying to be all up in his business, even more so because he was a free agent. There was a chance they might not even have been teammates moving forward, so it could have just fallen on deaf ears. So I, the more thing that I thought was interesting was his final answer during his media availability. He talked more about Ben, and he more was just talking about being traded because he's someone who's moved around a lot. And he talked about guys reinventing themselves, and he talked about – that's part of the reason why some players request trades is they feel like they can't do that where they are. They need to go somewhere else to, to reinvent their game. But he was almost kind of talking directly to Ben with some of his quotes saying that players don't always need to go somewhere else to reinvent themselves. They can work hard behind the scenes and bring new elements to their game and kind of help change their narrative. So although it didn't sound great at the beginning when he said he hadn't talked to Ben in about almost six weeks now, it did feel by the end of it that he still wanted to play alongside him moving forward and was still kind of secretly rooting for him. Yeah. I mean, secretly rooting for him to stay in Philly and add elements to his game. If Danny Green believes that's going to happen, I got a bridge to sell him because <laughs> it's not happening. Like, so let, let's just, let's just get to the bottom of it. Kyle Newbeck of the Philly voice, very well connected within the Sixers organization. So he's been kind of, monitoring the Ben Simmons situation based on what he's hearing off the internet and seeing, okay, this national reporter puts out this uh, trade that might've been discussed. So this specific one I'm talking about had to do with the Spurs. So give it a click, check it out. See, see kind of like his analysis. I like seeing what other people around the beat are, are thinking about things every now and then. And he just throws in this, this little tidbit that no one has talked about. 
Like he could have made a whole big thing about this and he just, just, just sprinkled it in there <laughs> that Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers have like their relationship is in shambles and might not even like be like, they might not be able to repair it. Where the hell did that come from? Things have definitely gone the complete opposite direction. We also need to bring up that as crazy as that sounds, you can even add more to it because, you know, rewind to the first round series against the Washington Wizards. And after a game, Doc Rivers went as far to say that Ben Simmons was a treasure, a treasure. That was game one. And you're telling me months later now that their relationship is intenable. I mean, what possibly could have happened? I know everything that went down after the Atlanta series and Doc may have not said some flattering comments, but Doc was the guy that defended him tooth and nail all season. You know, people the people came for Ben Simmons' head way before the Atlanta series. There were struggles all throughout the year. And, you know, tried and true, Doc Rivers stuck with him and believed in his talents and still thinks that he's a premier talent in this game right now. So to hear that their relationship has just gone amok, it's just – it is very uh, – it's bombshell worthy. I agree. He could have done a whole, you know, expose <laughs> about that. And the fact that it was just a minor tidbit of one article definitely is crazy. Yeah. Well, let's rewind, right? Brett Brown was the Sixers head coach. He's somebody who – Defended Ben Simmons like all the time. You ask Brett Brown about Ben Simmons and his three-point shot, and Brett Brown is going to immediately shoot it down, basically tell you you're being ridiculous. Why do you keep asking me about this? The one time Brett Brown decided to say, you know what? I want Ben Simmons to just shoot a three-pointer at least once a game. That's all I'm asking for. Tell his family, agent, friends, blah, blah, blah. From then on, Ben Simmons doesn't like Brett Brown. Brett Brown spent years defending this guy. And the one time he made not even a bad comment, really just like, you don't listen to me behind the scenes. I'm going to call it out in the media. He did it as respectfully as possible. At that point, it was reported that Ben Simmons, <laughs> essentially Brett Brown lost Ben Simmons. He doesn't, he doesn't even want to try to fix anything with Brett Brown. That's it. He's done with Brett Brown. So Doc Rivers comes in. Obviously we talk about, how it's been kind of disappointing that Doc Rivers didn't come in right away and make it known that, hey, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'm going to tell you what you need to do, and I'm not going to coddle you. Obviously, Doc Rivers did the complete opposite. He coddled Ben Simmons all season long, and it's just Ben Simmons. Like, Tobias Harris is somebody who played fantastic under Doc Rivers this season, and Doc Rivers would throw Tobias Harris under the bus because Tobias Harris can handle that because Tobias Harris knows how to take criticism. Ben Simmons clearly does not. So Doc Rivers, I mean, you talk about that Wizard series. What was the game that they lost? It was game four? Yeah, game four. That was when the Hackabend thing mm-hmm. all started. Yeah, Doc Rivers, I think, owes some people in the media an apology for the way that he reacted because – Remember the whole, you want me to take Ben Simmons off the floor? I think that that's ridiculous. And then, you know, a couple games after that, he starts taking Ben Simmons off the floor. And, you know, we won't even, we won't even go there. Doc Rivers kind of overreacted to a situation. He was like, kind of, he had reactions to things that weren't even said. Like, yeah. <laughs> remember D-line? In all fairness, I never said that, Doc. But, <laughs> so, like, 
the way that he defended Ben and then the fact that the one comment that he made, because I'm assuming this is when it happened, is when he said, when, um, I forget who asked the question. They asked him, can Ben be a point guard on a championship winning team? Doc said, I don't know. And the best part about that is Ben Simmons' whole shtick this, these past few years is, oh, I'm not a point guard, I'm a basketball player. I don't, I don't have a position. So if, you, if that's your view, that you don't see yourself as a point guard, you see yourself as this hybrid guy who can be used in all these different ways all over the court, why does it matter if your coach says, well, let's be real, why does it matter when your coach says, no, you can't be a point guard on a championship winning team? But when Doc said, I don't know, it was his polite way of saying no. If he felt that Ben could have been, he would have simply said yes. That That's my stance on it. But the fact that, you know, Doc and Ben talked about that he, he's positionless, that he doesn't really have one set spot on the court, that a comment as little as that was the tipping point. I mean, that that's at least what we think. Maybe some, yeah. sometime yeah, in listen, the exit yeah. press conference. We don't know what happened behind the scenes or, yeah, I mean, things could have been said throughout this offseason, but through what we've seen and what we've heard, that is the one comment where it's really the only time all year that Doc has gone against Ben. So if there was a tipping point, you know, publicly, that had to be it. You have to assume it's it, right? Because that, that's where that's where things went wrong with Brett Brown, too. Like, that was kind of the, the tipping point with them. So it's like... I, I really hope it's not, though. If something that little was the tipping point, just... Uh, I don't know. I'm going to hope that it's not, but... If it is, I mean, I'm just going to shrug my shoulders at this point. <laughs> it's just, it. I don't even know what to say to it at this point. Like, I couldn't believe that when I read that. Like, really? that This guy has defended you all season long. Like, when he shouldn't have, really. I mean, like, you sh- you're, a, you're an all-star. You're a pro. You should be able to take some sort of criticism. Mm-hmm. The fact that like they they can't even like repair their relationship now even though doc rivers literally coddled and babied him and defended him at every chance like doc rivers was getting super defensive yeah if you ask even just the slightest question like hey should ben be more great like he even like ben said i need to be more aggressive and doc went against it no (laughs) It's, it's just like man Really, just one comment will, will set you off and, and not to make mention, you not want to play for him anymore. In the offseason, Doc was even caught on record saying he wanted Ben back. There was a, a story on TMZ where uh, someone caught up with him and they asked him more about Ben Simmons. And Doc said he believed in him and that he wanted him back on, on the Sixers this season. So, listen, I mean, we only see what's on the surface. We don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. But it is very shocking that Ben has almost cut off all ties with the guy who defended him tooth and nail all season, pretty much up until the end. Yeah. And I mean, during uh doc's exit press conference too, he said, listen, this guy can, this guy can be fixed. Like we're, we're going to work together in the summer. Obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's like, ben, it's not. ben immediately went out to LA. It hasn't happened yet. But we've already um, got the we got the videos. We got the workout videos. We could check that with, off. Not yeah. with Sixers personnel. You got but, it with with Ben's personal trainers. The same guys have been working them out for the last however many years. All right, this might be a reach though, but it's probably Ra- going to be Rajon Rajon <laughs> Raja Rondo was a guy that Doctors talked about a lot this season. It actually shocked me how much he brought Rondo up uh, the course of the season. I see where you're and going. Who, Doc sent Rod. Oh no, come listen, on. Listen, I don't know if Doc sent Rondo 
maybe it could have just been a wink and a nudge. But listen, Rondo is a guy that people have compared Ben to through the years. He is a guy that hasn't had a great three-point shot as a point guard. There, there, The similarities are there, and the connection to Doc Rivers is there. Listen, I'm not saying I agree. It could be a reach. But Rondo is a guy we haven't seen Ben with before, and now they're working out together now. Who who knows? Who knows? I'll, I'll, I'll assume that it's more coincidence because I don't know how – I don't know if uh, – who is it, Chris Johnson that he trains with? Ben? Yeah, Chris Johnson. I don't know if Rondo trains with him, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong here. But didn't Tyrese Maxey like train with Rondo leading up to the draft last year? He might have. Yeah. So I, I think is, I think it's just is Rondo a clutch with, guy too. I don't know. I don't I, know if Rondo's no with clutch or not. I don't know who his agent is, but I just think that there's connection there with Chris Johnson because hey, that's Tyrese's I, camp too. So I might just have the tinfoil hat on for this one, but. Uh, the dots are there. If you want to connect them, that's all on you. This guy thinks Doc Rivers <laughs> hey, is getting hey. Rondo. Oh man, that's funny. Hey, hey, <laughs> listen, I'm just, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I mean, okay, you're looking on the bright side. I, I feel it. You, feel you it. can't say that there isn't. There, there's a little bit there, even if it's just extremely minimal. I mean, you never, you never really know. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm I'm rolling with it's coincidence. I think Rondo has connections to Clutch and um, yeah, uh, Chris Johnson. I mean, you're probably right, but I just felt <laughs> it had to be said. So, I mean, with all that, we don't really have anything else to add with the Ben Simmons saga because, again, waiting on Dame Lillard. What is going on? <laughs> what it's is going on? Almost too patiently. How about Dame getting cryptic on social media? Like we need to talk about the Instagram thing too. Listen again, the tinfoil hat thing. after the Olympics, the, the tinfoil hat may be coming back on, but Damian Lillard posted all his Olympic photos after the gold medal game. Most of the pictures were with team USA teammates. There were two non team USA players in Boys. that Instagram post. One was Nick Patum. They were teammates together in Portland. The second one, None other than Matisse Thibel. We didn't talk about this? Last no, we week? didn't. No, we did not. Interesting. And Dame's been super cryptic on social media lately, so hopefully it's coming soon because if he runs it back with that Portland team, it's almost a disservice to his prime years. But listen, I, he's posting pictures with Matisse Thibel. Again, just going to throw it out there. Matisse is a nice guy. Matisse is a super nice guy. Yeah. I'd want to take he, a picture of When he doesn't lose Thibel. game seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a competitor. He is, yeah, he is. Congrats to Matisse, too, by the way. Bronze uh, medal. Listen, yeah, look, and looks phenomenal doing it as well. I mean, a lot of impressive showings. I think, you know, being around vets like Patty Mills and Joe Ingles, I think it's going to be great for him, you know, carrying – same thing that we were talking about with these summer league guys of, you know, just building that momentum into training camp. I think this Olympic experience could do the same for Matisse Thibel. Yeah, maybe Dame was kind of just giving him pointers on, like, where to go in Portland when he's out there. And yeah, then Matisse could. was kind of giving him pointers like, hey, yeah. this is what you do when you're in Philly. And then the swap will come, including Ben Simmons. So who knows? But this Ben Simmons saga, has, I mean, this this has to break at some point. When is training camp? September? What's the date of training camp? I don't even know. I, I think it's – I want to say it's the first week of September. First week of September? It might be. I thought it was the last week of September. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the last week of September because the oh. preseason starts like mid-October-ish. Well, 
Well, no, the the season starts on October 19th. Does it, it usually starts around Halloween, but I believe the 19th is opening night this season. Interesting. All right. Well, whenever, whenever Let's settle for the middle. Except you said the beginning, I said the end. We'll just assume it's the middle. We'll... All right. Middle, mid-September. Either way. Sometime, sometime in September, there will be a training camp. Either way, around the corner yeah. is training camp. And Ben Simmons is still a member of the Sixers. Daryl Morey's price tag is still sky high for him for all teams not named the Portland Trailblazers or the Washington Wizards. And... I mean, we, we have to find the finish line with this at some point, right? I think so. I'm still on the point of it's a when, not an if. There has to be a breaking point with all the stuff pouring out. Granted, you have to take it with a grain of salt and, and look at where it's all coming from. We, we saw what Kendrick Perkins said about, you know, Ben Simmons being willing to sit out camp if he's not traded yet and – Jason Dumas has been saying that there's been no communication between Ben and the Sixers and that everything's done through Rich Paul now. And I stick with the point of Rich Paul is the most powerful agent in the NBA. If he wants a player traded, that player is going to get traded. So I I truly feel that it's going to come before we hit camp. Yeah, it, it has to be. And what the trade I mean, looks like, I have no idea at this point, but I, I do think it happens. Yeah, I still think I still think Daryl Morey's gonna hold out. For a superstar, it had. I mean, if, if Dame Lillard doesn't become available, then it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It might have been Kyle Newbeck too, who also said that Daryl Morey isn't afraid to kind of have things be a little awkward at the start of the season, meaning having Ben play. I don't know if that was Kyle. Now I'm thinking about it. it might have been someone from the Athletic, mm-hmm. but I don't know. To me, it sounds like Dame Lillard is going to give Portland a shot this year. At the very beginning, like this is going to be like James Harden, Houston. Yeah. Do we, do we see a trade in the first month of the season? Yeah. That's, that's my best guess is Dame's going to kind of go in and say, all right, I'll give it one last shot. He's going to give it like, I don't even know how many games Harden played like 10 maybe. Yeah. And then he's just going to be like, well, Harden played like two and then he pouted and kind of just walked up and down the court for the last eight. Yeah, I don't think Dame will pout as much, but I think it's going to be like a few games and he's, he's just going to realize like, all right, it's time. Like, that's it. Yeah. And I think the Sixers will just have to deal with the awkwardness of Ben Simmons. If he shows up or not, you know, you'll just, you'll just have to deal with that. It's the beginning of the season. Doesn't matter that much. What matters is what happens when the playoffs roll around their playoff team with or without Simmons. So we'll talk about it when we get there, but that's all we have for today. Kev, drop your Twitter handle. It's at KevinMCCMBA. And mine is at JGrasso underscore. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.